0: It is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 47 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. So this is the episode that you probably saw coming. If you receive my newsletter, which you totally should, then you know I've been absolutely obsessed with Black Panther since it opened a few weeks ago. In today's episode, I'm joined by the biggest comic book loving therapist that I know, Mercedes Samudio. For those of you who've been around a while, you'll remember that Mercedes was our guest on session nine, where she talked all about her movement to end parent shaming. Mercedes is a licensed clinical social worker, a parent coach, speaker, and best-selling author who helps parents and children communicate with each other, manage emotional trauma, navigate social media and technology together, and develop healthy parent-child relationships. Over the course of her career, she has worked with adoptive families, foster families, teen parents, parents navigating the child protective services system, and children living with mental illness. Mercedes started the In-Parent Shaming Movement, as well as coined the term shame-proof parenting, using both to bring awareness to ending parent shame. Mercedes is a leading parenting expert and has an amazing following on social media that allows her to reach the hearts of thousands of parents who feel heard and seen on their parenting journey. She has been featured on the Huffington Post, U.S. News & Report, Woman's Day, L.A. Parent Magazine, CBS LA, and kids in the house. Mercedes seeks to empower parents to believe that they are already great guys for raising healthy and happy children. You can read more about her and her parenting expertise at shameproofparenting.com. Mercedes and I did a deep dive into the psychology of Black Panther. We discussed the importance of representation and how that impacts our mental health, The messages we received about Black womanhood from the movie, the strong attachment we all seem to have developed to the characters, and why so many of us have had to see it over and over again. I hope you'll enjoy listening as much as we enjoy chatting about it. Here's our conversation. So thank you so much for joining us today, Mercedes. Thank you so much for having me on. So I knew that there was no one else that I could bring on a podcast (laughs) (laughs) to talk about Black Panther besides you. So you are probably the biggest comic book fan that I know that (laughs) also has this uh, clinical background. So I felt like this could be a very good conversation just about, you know, like how it feels like Black Panther has taken over our worlds at this Mm.
1: point. Mm, so let let
0: us start by you sharing um how many times have you seen Black Panther at this point?
1: <laughs> 5 <laughs> <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> yeah, so I've still only seen it once I still have not had it in my schedule to be able to see it again so I'm still going on one time so you probably can reenact some of these scenes much better than probably
1: I would at this, probably
0: <laughs> so I do want to kind of just start by talking because I think that you're not alone in that right like um, you know it feels like multiple people like people who probably wouldn't typically see movies back to back like this Like watching the movie multiple times, are doing that. Like most people have probably seen it at least twice. And so you know, I'm not a comic book person, you know, like I typically will see the movies, but, you know, like I don't know how all of the things work together in the Marvel, it's the Marvel Cinematic Universe, correct? Correct. correct. Okay. So I'm not sure, I know that they, there is a tie together and the characters kind of play off each other and they're like, you know, a storyline that kind of goes throughout. Um, And it does feel like there is some level of excitement, like every time a Marvel movie drops, Mm -hmm. but something about this feels very different. What do you think is happening?
1: I think it's it's really this idea that this is, number one, the 18th Marvel movie. So we have had 17 movies prior where there have been Black actors, right? So there's Don Cheadle, who plays War Machine and Iron Patriot. There's Anthony Mackie, who's the Falcon. But they're the sidekicks. They're not the main show. And they're... Black actors who are, and there's, I'm oh, sorry, Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury, too. Uh, he's in that. So there are these black actors that are there. However, they are kind of the background. They are the sidekicks. They are not the main show. And they're part of an ensemble white cast. So when you see this movie, it's not only that Black Panther is like just a black cast, but it's the fact that the black people in this movie, they are the heroes. They are the villains. They are everything. Uh, there's like two main white actors in the movie, and they're kind of auxiliary, right? For the first time, the white actors are the auxiliary. And the the black characters are the foreground. And I think that is just something that we talked about a little bit But this idea of representation where it's like, finally, little kids don't have to do the black versions of this character. They are the version. They are the initial version of this character.
0: Yeah. And I think there's something to be said about like, it's not just the main character, right? Like right. it feels like you see all of these super cute videos of kids being all of these different characters. Oh, so, yeah. you know, they're dressed up like Shuri or they are a Koye in the Dora Milaje. They are yeah. um, M'Baku. I mean, yeah. so, you know, it's yeah. not even that like, it feels like typically somebody might be like Captain America, but you don't really know all those other people that are kind of in the background. Whereas here, it's an ensemble cast. And people, it feels like, are identifying with different characters for different reasons.
1: And each of these characters has such a rich kind of trajectory throughout the movie. I think that's something that Ryan Coogler did an amazing job writing and directing and making sure that every character that shows up on scene has something to do. They are not just there because it's cute. They all have such a regal presence about themselves. Even Killmonger being, you know, the villain, he has such a presence about himself where it's like, you want to role-play these people. You want to dig into what that feels like to have on their clothes and to have on their style and to just embody them. They're so rich.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, again, from my outside perspective, as someone who has seen the past, some of the past movies, but, you know, not as in-depth of a knowledge as you, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like other characters get the same level of, like, mm-hmm. nuance and complexity as they did in Black Panther.
1: I agree with you. I mean, I think, talk. I mean, I've watched all these movies. I understand how intricate all of these stories play out. And there are some characters that have a little bit more, um, salience than the main characters. But I think, and again, I have, to, I have to give Black Panther and I have to give the writers and the director of this movie a little bit credit for this, a lot more credit for this. It was really intentional, I think. I think if we're going to do something, and I'm, I'm just speculating on what Ryan Coogler probably thought, if we're going to do something like this, as Black people, we don't get these opportunities all the time, which is unfortunate to say in 2018, but we don't get Um, these opportunities for our black directors to get a $200 million budget to create this world, which is what he got for this movie. Um, And so you imagine that he's sitting there thinking, I have $200 million to show black excellence. Well, damn it, I'm not going to miss anything. I am going to give every single person a rich identity, a rich cultural sense, a rich uh, dialogue. I mean, a rich, I mean, if you just listen to him talk about it, he even talks about how each person has their own style. Um, Even the people in the Dora they each have their own style and they took from each of the tribes and gave everybody a piece you know um, it was just so beautiful how he said I'm going to make sure that I have this money to do this movie and we have this opportunity to be on this platform with the Marvel Cinematic Universe we're going to do it up. We're going to go in. Um, we're just going to do this. And I think with the other characters, the other movies, well, white actors always get a chance to step up um, and, and kind of do things. So there's not that sense of urgency. I think there's not that sense of immediacy that the white actors need to give everybody in the movie a lot of spe- space and presence because they'll show up again. They'll come out again. All the actors, I feel like, and all the other um, Marvel Cinematic Universes, they, they show up in other movies, they show up in other franchises. Um, something that might be cool to talk about is that Chris Evans, who plays Captain America, he was also the Human Torch. So he's been able to be a superhero twice, you know, and so has Michael B. Jordan, who plays uh, Killmonger. He was also the Human Torch. But I feel like white actors always get another opportunity to do this. They always get another opportunity to be the superhero or be the lead. Um, and I feel like for our African-American actors and characters, they don't always get those opportunities to be a lead and to be the show um, in this context.
0: Right. So now is the Human Torch somebody in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Not
1: yet. Okay. Uh, Marvel actually bought the rights to them and I'm being complete geek right now, but Marvel <laughs> bought the rights to them. So they will eventually be, but fantastic it's the Fantastic Four. So Human Torch is part of the Fantastic Four and they've had two, uh, movies three movies that have come out and uh, they haven't done well so you probably don't know who they are okay right. okay <laughs> <laughs> I was like now nah, I don't know if I remember I, that part of it <laughs> I'm just to my
0: geekdom right now <laughs> <laughs> totally fine totally fine so you know if we kind of play with this idea of representation mm. um because I do feel like that is what everybody is really clinging to right like mm. I remember distinctly, when it was announced more than a year ago Mm. um that this was happening and i think they shared that ryan coogler was going to be the one Mm. um doing it and it felt like almost immediately people started talking about oh this is what we're gonna be wearing to the black panther um you know and i know that typically these um movies like people will cosplay right like people typically will dress up as the characters but it definitely felt like something different that um you know like that black people were saying like okay we're gonna have our finest garb yes. to go and see this movie
1: yes you know i love that because yes people do typically cosplay for these type of fandom stuff so people cosplay for star wars people come in costumes for all the other marvel universe uh cinematic universe movies but this one i think and i have to kind of pull back a little bit before i get to why we're cosplaying or why we're dressing up for it it's the first time, I think, and ever, and if I'm wrong, I don't mind being corrected, but I think it's the first time since maybe coming to America or whatnot where we've had Africa being displayed in such regal beauty. And I think that's something that people really clung to, where I think most of the time, Africa is seen as a third world country and that's part of the dialogue in the movie. Oh, I thought, Wakanda, well, kind of, which is a third world country. Oh, I thought this was just, you know, nothing to be, you know, to worry about. Um, but when you look at the fact that we are finally getting to see Africa as a technologically advanced um, community, culture, continent. Like, we don't get to see that. And I think when you see Black people coming out in droves, dancing, wearing beautiful garments, it's that, it's that idea of We get to showcase our beauty, not just on a small scale, not in an independent movie, not on a direct-to-video movie, but a big movie blockbuster, a tentpole movie that, honestly, when's the last time you saw an all-black cast in a tentpole, like, summer blockbuster-type movie? Like, we don't get that. And so I think... It goes back to who we are as a culture. I think we are just a very celebratory communal culture. And so when we get to do it on this level, when we get to celebrate in this, on this level, we show out, we show up and we show out. And I love it. I, it's, I, can't even, I can't even find the words to talk about how much I love that we get to show up and show out in such a beautifully dynamic uh, way. And it's not seen as, you know, how sometimes we are kind of portrayed in the media being raucous and rowdy. We're not doing that. We're just having a great time.
0: Yeah, and I did, you know, pull a quote because I really wanted to understand, you know, like I think we hear this quote that representation matters. Representation matters, Um, and I don't, and I don't know that we always know like why that's important or like what that really means. Um, So I found a quote from Darnell Hunt, who is the director of the Ralph J. Bunch Center for African American Studies at UCLA, and he said that we're pretty confident that the more TV you watch, the more media you consume, the more likely it is that media almost like radiation builds up Mm. and the accumulated effect is to make you feel that what you're seeing is somewhat normal so this whole idea like you mentioned that um, you know, that Africa can be celebrated in its fullness and that it's not this third world, you're not representing these third world countries, um, you know, that, that there are not resources and lots of exciting things happening. In this film, we really do see this could be a normal. This is people's normal.
1: Uh, yes. And, you know, you when you started talking about that, you made me think of something else I saw Um Recently, a young uh, guy, and I saw it on Twitter, and I'll try to send it to you so maybe you can share it too. Um, but he actually, a couple of days ago, kind of in London, started to do film posters, where he replaced the white actors on these film posters with black people. And the tagline, if I can find it, is, if this is if this is like um, confusing for you, if seeing this is jarring for you, um, that means we need to see more black people in these roles. And so he has one for Harry Potter. He has one for Bridget Jones's Diary. He, and it's so cool because these are things that normally he has one for Titanic, where normally we're used to seeing white people on the forefront of these covers. right? We're used to seeing the white actors, the Leonardo DiCaprio's, the Kate Blanchett's. The, you know, the Kate Winslet's, and we're not used to seeing black people so regally portrayed in these really huge blockbuster movies. And I think when you see the Black Panther posters, all black people. You don't even see the white actors on there. Just, it's so beautiful to see Chadwick Boseman, Lupita Nyong'o, the Guerrera, like Michael B. Jordan, just to see them on all of these posters all over the, you know, I don't know, I know where you are in, in the South, but seeing it in LA, all these huge posters in LA, it's like, yes, this is beautiful. <laughs> Look at this. And again, I love these movies, but it's so nice just to see someone who looks like me, right? Right. Being a superhero, something that I love. I love superheroes, and we very rarely get to see it done this way. So I have to say that I agree with that quote, that the more we see um, ourselves in media, whatever that looks like, our identities in the media, the more we begin to get comfortable with it. Um, The more, I think I'll I'll even say it and bring it a little bit more um, forward, I think the more we see ourselves in the media being portrayed on a continuum, on a spectrum. So not just the fast-talking, smack-talking people, but we see ourselves as kings and queens. We see ourselves as superheroes. We see ourselves as villains. We see ourselves in all of these stereotypically um, reserved for white people roles. We see ourselves in all these roles. It begins to let people feel more comfortable. Like, you're right, black people can be this diverse. Right. They don't just have to be relegated to a certain type of film or a certain type of character portrayal. They can be anything. And can you imagine the kids who watch this movie who see now, I don't have to just audition for these type of roles and these type of characters. I can audition for the superhero character. I can audition for the lead and it not be the black version of the lead. It just be the lead
0: yeah I mean and I'm thinking about you know like the latest video that I've seen and I know you've seen it too is this super cute little boy who's reenacting the M'Baku scene when he comes to challenge uh, the Black Panther for the (laughs) throne right and so his timing is like on point like he doesn't crack a smile like he is clearly in character and so you know I'm thinking about like what is this child going to become? Like, how is it, you know, that even just seeing this movie and like allowing himself to just be playful with it, you know, who knows what becomes of that? Right. Like, you know, an imagination and play is so super important at that age. You know, so just the idea that even that has been expanded for children, I think is incredibly
1: powerful. Uh, 100% And and it's what you just said where it's like play and imagination is so important for children and how they understand their world, how they process the world and so usually children are playing these characters who are white right, so can you imagine the kind of those imprinted ideas that kids have where I can only be Iron Man if I'm white, I can only be Superman if I'm white, so I have to pretend to be these characters, I have to pretend or assimilate into this culture in order to be these characters, whereas when I and Black Panther, I don't have to pretend. And Black Panther, and I love that Chadwick Boseman talks a lot about this in his interviews about how he fought for every African character to have an African accent. They were not going to not speak Kosa. They were not going to um, speak in a British accent or an American accent. Like because again, when people, when kids, um, and actors portray these characters, they get to speak in this African dialect. They don't have to pretend. They don't have to speak, you know, a certain dialect that makes them look more intelligent right Um, I'll even go into this idea of there was a research study that talked about how people with accents are characteristically deemed less intelligent no matter what their degrees were or no matter what um, their profession is. And I think being able to see more people speak in their accents, especially for African-Americans, it allows us to stop being so confused by accents and it's linked to intelligence where you've got this highly technologically advanced culture and everyone speaks COSA. Everyone speaks with this beautiful accent and dialect and they're all brilliant and regal and amazing people. And I think seeing more of that is what allows kids to say, I don't have to try to assimilate. I don't have to give up parts of my culture um, to see all the women wearing natural hair and all the men wearing natural hair. OK, I don't have to straighten my hair to be a superhero. It's, it's you, There's so many little nuggets there where when you go back to pretend play and what kids have to assimilate into to fit into these roles, they don't have to do that anymore when they play Black, Par- Black Panther characters, when they're role playing those characters.
0: Yeah, and I do think, you know, we talk primarily about the representation piece for the kids, um, and I think that that is important, but I also think that there's something for adults, too, in terms of the representation. What are your ideas about, like, you know, yeah, we know it means a lot to the little kids, but what about for adults?
1: Well, I'll speak from being a comic book fan. I'm going to take a little turn in terms of my life and, and be really blunt about this. So I have always loved comic book stuff and magic because in my childhood, it allowed me to get away from what I was experiencing um, in my childhood, which wasn't great. And so I, I dove into Harry Potter. I dove into Spider-Man and X-Men and all those movies came out when I was in junior high and high school. And I loved being immersed in these characters and learning about them and Batman to this day, my, my wedding ring is actually Batman. Um, Batman is always going to be, for me, like symbolic of how someone can go through such tragic pain and grow up to help and heal their community. And so these were always the characters that I felt so close to and so connected to. And I never worried that they were white. I never worried that I was black, but it really was like, well, I guess we'll just never be that. You know, like I'll never be able to see a black person emote and be these ways and and be these character portrayals. And so now as a 32-year-old woman who loves these movies and who loves and understands the intricacies with which these characters are portrayed, to be able to have that same level of beauty and awesomeness and identification with Black Panther um, is something that makes me feel really validated it makes me feel like i matter it makes me feel like okay finally what i look like and the way that i wear my hair is just as beautiful as pepper pots is just as regal and cool as captain america like it's just as amazing and so i think I'll, i'm just speaking for me and and whoever else resonates with this i think for us um as people of color who are geeks we have finally got someone who looks like us right we can geek out on a superhero who is just like me. I can geek out on the Dora Milaje who are beautifully, you know, diversely colored women, women of color. I can. I think uh, Lupita Nyong'o is so beautiful and to see her be so strong and so amazing. And in the video that Jimmy Fallon had of Chadwick Bos- Boseman meeting his fans, this one woman said it so articulately, she said it was so beautiful to see black women who were in their strength and in their power, and they weren't the stereotypical angry Black woman. They weren't the sassy, cookie-lion Black woman. They were just strong and regal and and also empathetic and vulnerable all at once. And it's those moments, for me, especially as a woman, where it's like, yes, we are strong, but we're also vulnerable. We are, you know, we can go out and kick butt, but we can also, you know, hold our man's hand and tell him he can be whatever he needs to be. It's, it was, Oh, God, I can go on and on. But it's like... <laughs> There are so many pieces of that, that as a woman who's loved this stuff since I was a kid, it just felt so beautiful to be able to see people who look like me be portrayed with that emotional continuum, that emotional spectrum.
0: Yeah. And I do want to stay with that for a little bit, Mercedes, because I do think, you know, when we hear about this strong black woman, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I feel like a lot of times um, it's not uh you know like the strength is kind of put upon us in a way that like negates us taking care of ourselves yes whereas in black panther it was a strength because they're warriors you know and it was like you mentioned like still a side that allowed them to be vulnerable and to be in relationship and you know to not have that strength be that they weren't taking care of themselves yes
1: Yes. And there were several scenes like that. You know, I don't want to spoil it, so, you know, cover your ears if you haven't seen the movie, but there's that wonderful beautiful scene between Okoye and Wakabi at the end when she he's like, "Are you going to fight me?" and she's like, "Yes, I will." <laughs> but at the same time, we know from the way that they develop those characters that they are in love. That he calls her my love and she does too, but she's like, "But also, this is my country, so if you going to take it down, we're going to have to fight, brother." And I loved love that scene because Again, I I have to commend Ryan Coogler in the way that he wrote his characters. He developed their relationship very subtly, but very powerfully. So that scene had so much more resonance um, to it. And I loved it. I love the strength of her, but at the same time, the vulnerability that she's like, you are my love, but look this is my country. These are my people. We, we can't do this to each other. You know what I mean? I love that. I thought that was a beautiful scene.
0: Yeah, and then with Nakia, you know, you saw that she was someone who was very self-possessed, right? Like, mm-hmm. she had her own ideas mm. about, like, what she wanted to do with her life, and she even made the statement, you know, like, I'd be a great queen if I wanted that, yes, you know? Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. so I mean, but so even though she was very clear about, like, where she wanted to go with her life it does it did still feel like there was um a level of compromise there when she decided to stay as at least it seems that way when he made space for her to kind of continue to do what she needed to do as a part of the kingdom of Uganda. yes
1: Yes. and i want to speak about that too about how how t'challa was kind of created too and i think this, when you go into representation, it's so important for us to have, especially Black men in the culture that we have now, to see our Black men being okay, being surrounded by Black women. And that even if Nakia is his girlfriend or not, that she's still able to be there for him. And Nakoye is not his girlfriend. She is not, you know, part of his romantic kind of life, but she's still there for him and supports him. And at the same time, kind of pushes at him and says, are you sure this is what you're going to do? Do you really need this? And to watch that interplay between both the romantic kind of talent that he got from Nakia, but as well as the camaraderie and the friendship and the respect that he received from Okoye and how he was able to manage that and find a balance between both of those, I think it's such a great representation for a black man to see that you can be vulnerable, you can still stand your ground and say, I am a king, right? That's something that we definitely say about a black man, you are a king, right? And T'Challa is a king, but he was able to be like, okay, what are you both women who I highly respect? What else are you saying? How can you help me to reframe my ideas so I'm still taking care of my country. And I just love that vulnerability in him.
0: Right. It did it definitely did feel like there was a balance that it wasn't mm-hmm. just the women who were being right. vulnerable. Right. Which right. was nice. Right. Yeah. It definitely felt like a love letter. Like it yes. felt like the whole cast and you know, kinda led by Ryan Coogler it felt very much like a love letter yes. to black people. Like just this kind of bomb that we need um mm-hmm. right now. Which mm-hmm. does bring me to like another thought and, you know, something that you mentioned as you were explaining like your own history with like comic books and stuff. I feel like like, you know, like we mentioned, most people have seen this, you know, at least twice. Um, you've seen it five times. You know, people, have, people have gone multiple times. And I think at the core, what this really is about is like escapism. So, you know, in our real life, we have a president who is Mm. just ridiculous. Mm. We have, you know, oppression in many different forms. Like it just literally sometimes feels like the world is on fire outside Mm. of you Mm. versus we go to Wakanda and it's beautiful. And there's this rich culture and this advanced technology. And it definitely feels like I just want to be there. I just don't want to be here. Um, So can can you talk more about like, you know, like if do you agree that you think that people are just you know trying to escape what's going on in the real world by these multiple visits to wakanda so to speak
1: yeah you know i think I think that's something that we deserve. Um, every other culture, and, and again, I won't say every other culture. I'll stick with just kind of the mainstream white culture has that level of escapism in almost every genre. They have it in drama. They have it in action. They have it in indie flicks. They have all of these different spaces where they can escape into a world that, that they identify with into a world that feels resonant with them. And so for, uh, geeks of color, if you will. Um, we've always been able to escape into these worlds too. And, you know, I talked to my husband a lot a lot about this. In the fantasy world, there is kind of racial commentary with orcs and lesser kind of creatures being kind of seen as a minority oppressive race. And then obviously all the elves and, you know, all of the hierarchy people are usually always white. And so he and I, being he my husband's white, we've talked about how sometimes in the fantasy world, there is racial commentary. There is cultural commentary. However, I think what Black Panther gives us is this level of escapism that African-Americans don't always get in all of these different genres right we don't get to be action heroes we don't get to be superheroes all the time and so being able to escape into wakanda is something that's such I think we deserve that right we deserve to be able to see a world where we are not being oppressed where we are on top where we are the where we hold all the power all the money um there's this hashtag on social media that says in wakanda right so in wakanda obama is still president in wakanda trayvon martin is still alive you know and if you look it up hashtag in wakanda you'll see like all of these beautiful kind of ideas of if we were able to bring that wakandan kind of um technology and life into our world, what would we be as black people? And I think being able to have that escapism and being able to even kind of have that imaginary play um, as a culture makes it kind of gives us a space to think, well, can we bring some of that here? Can we bring some of that voice, some of that fierceness into our world where we know there's no such thing as Wakanda? We know that there's no such thing as this vibranium, but what is it about these these concepts and these traits and these ideals that we can actually bring into our real world and i hope that with more viewings and hopefully with the second and the third black panther movies that are inevitable that are going to come out that we continue to do that we continue to say how can we bring these wakandan ideas of strength of power of togetherness of um, vulnerability how do we bring that into our world to help build resilience around what's happening to us as a culture in the world yeah.
0: And I definitely feel like, you know, some of that has started, you know, like when people were talking about like some of the blankets and things that mm. were in the movie, people were then sharing links online, like from authentic, you know, sellers where yes. you could get this information from. So, yes. you know, kind of, you know, as a way of kind of keeping money in the community mm. and supporting these people who, you know, have given us like this very rich movie yes. um, and, you know, a way yes. to kind of, you know, see ourselves differently.
1: Yes definitely. I think it's beautiful.
0: Yeah, I mean it it just really is beautiful all around. And I mean and I think you know we do want to be careful right because uh, escaping to Wakanda doesn't mean that we don't still have to like deal with real life right Right. like it's not um our excitement about Black Panther is not necessarily like changing policies or you know that kind of thing but I do think like you mentioned we deserve that right like we deserve to be able to participate in joyful things and to be excited about things when you know maybe so much of the rest of our life is spent really trying to kind of fight all of the oppression and, you know, to kind of do things in our community. We do deserve to have joyful moments like this as well.
1: And, you know, I'll even say this, I'll bring up the topic of representation a little bit more in even that, that idea of even though being kind of immersing ourselves in the fantasy of Wakanda doesn't change things, I think it doesn't have to. I think it can just be an immersion into this fantasy. And I think the more people see that we deserve to have these fantasy worlds populated with Black people, populated with people who look like us, the more we don't have to latch on to one thing. We can have multiple Wakandas. We can have, you know, I mean, think about Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and Hunger Games and all these different worlds that white people get to have because they're populated with white people. So you think about these fantasy worlds, you know, where everyone gets to say, oh, I can be, an, I can be, I can go to Hogwarts or I can join the Hunger Games or I can go to Middle Earth. There are so many different places for white people to, to escape to. There's so many different places for us as black people people to kind of join in we can go to um what's westeros you know with game of thrones there's so much because we're not used to seeing black people being populated in any of these areas so with all of these places that i just talked about you can't even think of how many black people you saw in these places how many black people are in westeros how many black people are in middle earth how many black people are in you know the hunger games or at hogwarts like we need to populate these fantasy worlds with more Black people, and not in the auxiliary back of the frame, but in the foreground. And I think then we don't have to hold on to Wakanda so tightly. We can start saying we're at Hogwarts too. We can start saying we're also, you know, here. We're also here. And I think that that's part of the dialogue about representation that we are holding on to Wakanda because it's the first fantasy world that we can go to and feel like we're populated here. Um, Chadwick Bozeman made, he's so brilliant by the way, I'm gonna just tell everyone who's listening, look up Chadwick Bozeman and watch his interviews, he's brilliant. But he was talking about the same thing that I just shared, which is um, every time we look at a futuristic world, it's almost like no black people exist in the future anymore. Like we just cease to exist, that wherever we go in space or wherever we go in the future, there's very few black people. And it's like, do we exist in the future? Well, Black Panther is saying, yes, we do, right? This is an Afrofuturistic culture where in the future, vibranium and wakanda are still here and we're still and we're still powerful and i just love that idea that with more representation we can start populating these fantasy worlds with more black people so we don't have to hold on to wakanda as the only place that we can escape to
0: very good points and I think um, you mentioned like the interviews that you have watched of Chadwick <laughs> Bozeman. <laughs> and no. I know, I know you and I that opening weekend were like sharing all of these clips that we could find, <laughs> and and I want to dig into that a little bit, right? Because to me, like Black Panther itself has been fascinating, but for me, the whole psychology behind the attachment we're having to it mm-hmm. is even more fascinating, mm-hmm. and so you know, I know we were sharing articles and it feels like um and probably part of this was a part of the marketing plan, you know, where they the whole cast did the press run and that you always saw them together. Mm-hmm. Um and even now, like the movie opened what, two weeks ago? But like, you know, even at the Oscars this oh, weekend, yeah. um, you know, you saw the cast posing and anytime like more than one of them is together, like they're greeting them, greeting each other with the Wakanda hand signal. Yes, I mean, so yeah. it very much feels like you know and I don't I don't know if this is purposeful um or if you know they just have become so enamored with these characters and the love that they're getting that it just kind of feels natural at this point um but it it very much feels like they are real like it feels like because you still see them together like as a collective or at least a couple of them um that like it's a continuation of the movie
1: yes I agree with that actually and I think You know, again, going back to the interviews that I've seen, almost everybody that has been on, everybody who goes on their shows, especially um, African-American interviewers, will greet Chadwick with the Wakandan salute, right? Um, Tiffany Haddish was on the red carpet and someone greeted her with it and they did it wrong and she corrected them. Tiffany Haddish is not even in the movie, but she (laughs) she corrected them and was like, hey, it's right over left, not left over right. And it's this moment of, again, I'll go back to my last point. This is why representation matters, that when we have a world, a fantasy world populated with these types of people, we gravitate towards it, just like we do with all of these other fantasy worlds that we watch. And so we need, I think people need to look at again, going back to the psychology of it, that when we see a fantasy world, a, a place where we can escape, that's populated with people that look like you, that identify the same way as you, you can't do anything but feel pride. You can't feel anything but excitement and a swell. Um, there's, I've watched this movie five times and almost each time there are different parts of the movie, the movie where my heart just swells with pride because of the beauty of it, the regalness of it. And again, not just because they're kings and queens, but just because look at this. Look at these people in this fantasy world who look like me. And I think seeing actors and interviewers and all of the African-American actors who are, again, Will Smith did a beautiful um, Instagram video congratulating the whole cast, you know. I think seeing that is just a huge sign to Hollywood and to people who write these scripts and, and create these worlds that we would love to see these worlds populated with black people. We would love to see these worlds populated this way because Look at, like you just said, look at how we are resonating with these actors, these people who have just portrayed a fictional world, fictional people. Look at how we're connecting to them. That is a huge sign that we deserve, need, want, thrive when we are represented in this way.
0: Yeah. And in doing some research and it really did take a while to like research some of this stuff because I didn't even know what to call it. Right. Like I was like, okay, this kind of feels like when you don't want a good storybook to end. Right. Like you want to just kind of hang on. Um, So I think the technical term is called character bonding. Uh, So, yeah. See, look at all this new stuff I learned. Um, So I found an article called The Psychology of Character Bonding, Why We Feel a Real Connection to Actors. And it stated, we'd have no way of processing a character cognitively if we didn't have experiences with people outside of the fictional world. The experiences with fictional characters resonate with us because of the fact that we've had deep experiences with people throughout our lives. Just as we do with real life friends and family, in our minds, we subconsciously fill in the details of characters' lives that are missing. This includes ideas about what they're thinking or what they were up to when we weren't around. Mm. And so I think, you know, going back to that scene that you mentioned at the end with Wakabi and Okoye, um, you know, like, I think that really highlights this sentiment, because, of course, then you saw a lot of conversation online about what the conversation between Wakabi and Okoye would be like (laughs) afterwards. (laughs) Like, does he sleep on the couch now? Like,
1: what kind of? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, like, what, how
0: how does that interaction continue, right? So, of course, they don't don't show us that in the movie, but because we have become so attached to these characters and feel like we kind of know them and like they're a part of our circle in some ways, then we are then playing out like what we think that interaction will be like.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to kind of kind of play with this a little bit because going back to the representation idea and how, many times we get to bond with our characters right as black people so we tend to bond with empire so i look i think about empire as one of those shows that's a full black cast the family it shows family dynamics it shows something that we don't always get to see on tv you know you have cookie you have lucius you have his sons and you watch these character dynamics play out and i think we bond to those characters because we have a cookie in our house we have a lucius in our family right we have you know we have these characters and so i think about Something like Black Panther, whereas I feel like Empire is something that, as black people we're used to we're used to the snappy fast talking black mama, you know we're used to the very stern black dad who's going to set these rules, and I think we bond to those characters because, like you said in that definition we see these people in real life and we can identify and understand what's happening outside of these scripted scenes and we can bond to them and so you get to something like black panther where you say well as black people we don't always have superheroes or as black people we don't always get to see the people flying through the air and being cool action stars but i would say that we do we see the people in our communities the people who we look up to we see these people every day and even though they're not um and, and like they don't have the vibranium suits. We see people that look like kings and queens to us. We see people in our lives that look like um, strong women or, or that look like the Dora Milaje. And I think we bond on that level, too, where it's fantasy. Dora Milaje is not real. But how many strong women in your life do you know that are like that? Right, that you can look at and say, yep, that's my auntie. Yep, that's my big sister. Yep, that's my cousin. And I think if, if I'm staying with that idea of character bonding, I think that even though we as Black people don't always get to see fantasy worlds populated with us, seeing something like this allows us to bond with even the people in our lives who aren't Black Panthers and aren't Nakia's or Okoye's. We get to see them in our real life and we get to see kind of this fantasy portrayal of what our auntie, who's so strong and cool, would look like if she was a Dora Milaje. You know what I mean? And I think that that's something that we deserve more of.
0: Absolutely, Mercedes. Yeah, so, I mean, we could probably talk forever, Mercedes, because...
1: <laughs> you see how I am. Everything you give me, I just like go into like a ten minute spiel about what I think. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely, yeah. And like I said, I have just been so fascinated by the way that this has kind of become its own thing, um, and completely agree with you that it did. Def- it doesn't. It definitely feels like something we deserve right now, and that we really need it right now yes yeah yeah well thank you so much for joining me for this mercedes i definitely will make sure to include links to your um private practice and everything in the show notes even though we didn't talk very much about this um you've been on the podcast before to talk about your whole movement around shame-proof parenting um so i will link to that episode that you were on earlier as well as well as um all of the citations that i found in doing my research for this episode Uh, because one other thing that i found was a ted talk done by psychologist um, Dr. Jennifer Borns that talked about the reality of our relationships with imaginary characters so that gave some great information too so I will link to that in the show notes as well just because I think that could be a very cool thing for people to check out
1: awesome thanks so much for having me
0: thank you so you can see we had lots of feelings about Black Panther and I know many of you do too Make sure to share your thoughts with us about the episode on social media using the hashtag TBG in session and make sure to tag our accounts. You can find us at Twitter at therapy 4 the number four B girls and you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at therapy for black girls. Make sure to check out the show notes at therapy dot com slash session 47 for links to the articles I mentioned as well as more information about Mercedes. If you're looking for a therapist in your area, make sure to check out the Therapist Directory, which can be found at therapyforblackgirls.com directory. And if you want to have a place to talk more about this episode, past episodes, or just to chat about topics that are important to you, come on over and join us in the Thrive Tribe, which is our Facebook community. You can request to join at therapyforblackgirls.com tribe. Please continue to share your love for the podcast by sharing it in your Insta stories, on Twitter, and by texting those who you think should also check it out. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please also consider leaving us a review. Thank you so much again for joining me this week. I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care.